So we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5 today for our time. I would invite you to get a Bible and, and go there. It's a book in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. And there's something that I think is going to be so helpful for us with today's topic as we unpack um, chapter 5 specifically. So Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 13, I'm going to read it right through to verse 25. And it says this, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Father, we want to give you the space and the time right now to speak to us, to highlight for us the things that you want to empower us in and call us towards and, and encourage us in. And so we, we give you this space. May you be honored with it wherever we're at in life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I have spent uh, the last couple months uh, talking to dozens of married people from our specific church, uh, trying to get a sense of what direction do we take for this message on marriage in our series on better relationships. And through all those discussions and conversations, you know what I discovered? Way too much. Way too many things. Like with the, the, for a topic of this size, there are so many angles we, we could take, so many approaches, so many helpful things we should explore and unpack. Uh, and so honestly, it left me feeling like, wow, 20 minutes of me talking about marriage is hardly going to scratch the surface of your unique situation. So in, in many ways, it's like, wow, I feel like there are many ways I am set up to fail in this message. But I do think there is one way we can all be set up for success in our marriages and, and honestly, actually in, in, in life in general. So, so I was thinking back to a, a time early on in my relationship with Janelle before we were dating, before we got married. Uh, it, was a, it was a time on a summer evening uh, where we went to this with this fair with a bunch of friends. There's all these carnival rides and stuff. And, and we get to this one ride called the Ring of Fire. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Ring of Fire, but just think of a high-speed roller coaster that's just in a circle, just looping around and around and around. And at specific points, it's actually stopping completely. And one of the points is when you're at the very top, hanging upside down, 60 feet in the air, facing the ground. Now, I'm in this space with Janelle next to me uh, on the ride going, 
I don't know if this was supposed to happen. I don't, I, I'm starting to feel a little bit panicked and worried because my body's starting to shift and slip as if I'm like not meant to be hanging upside down and that these chairs are not supposed to hold me in this way. And so it's like, I'm like flexing every muscle, muscles I don't even have to try and make myself large and, and grip everything and, and make sure I do not fall to my, my death. It's like the closest I ever felt to death up until that point in my life. Uh, it was also the closest I'd also ever felt to a girl at that point in my life too. So, I mean, it wasn't all bad. But I, I was thinking about that in context of, wow, anytime we, we get ourselves into a vehicle, uh, something happens to, to our bodies. I, I was reminded of the first time I was on a sailboat. I didn't have a ton of expectation for what would happen, but we put the sail up and the first time it catches the wind, I'm like overwhelmed by the amount of force that, that happens as we surge into the waves. I'm like wide-eyed and going like, well, I did not expect this. And for you, you know, be it in a car or a, an airplane or a train or whatever, you know that when you get inside there, you strap in, you sit down, you buckle up, it's like your body then matches the speed and the force of whatever you're riding on, whatever you're linked into, right? So the car is going 50, you're going 50. The airplane's going like super fast, you're going super fast, right? And I, it made me think about something that we all need to recognize about what Jesus has done for those of us who have given our lives to him. See, more than helpful principles, we actually have a power to rely on. Romans 8 in the Bible talks about how this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He lives in us and is with us. So, so think, the same power that took the tortured corpse of Jesus up from the grave, raising him back to life, declaring him to be the Son of God in power, to then launch a global and unstoppable movement of people who were raised to new life themselves and received the grace of God. It's that power that we have access to, and it's that power that we want to emphasize in our time today. Because look, if we miss this, if we miss the Holy Spirit, what we have at best is just good advice. And what we need more than advice is we need a power to rely on. So, you know, for Christians, we're not ordinary people. We are spirit-filled people. This doesn't mean our, our marriages are automatically magic. Christian marriage is not easy, but what it is, is it has access to the best possible resource for what is hard. And the things that we want to look at today are four things. It's not the only four. We're not going to thoroughly cover them, but four things that are hard are priorities, communication, serving, and sex. And what we're going to see is that we're going to just look at some starting points for how the Spirit can empower us in these areas to experience greater levels of health and flourishing. And it's all under the banner of Galatians 5, specifically verse 25, which says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And as we look at this, at this passage, we're going to apply the realities of the gospel to the specific situation of marriage. But look, you could do this with any situation in life. And so as we see verse 25, and we see this, this command to live, if we live by the Spirit, let's walk by the Spirit. Other translations say, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Here's what I am praying that God would highlight for each one of us today, that we would be people who are synchronized with the Holy Spirit. And specifically in marriage, that you would be a spouse who is synchronized with the Spirit. Because when we are synchronized with the Spirit, we are placing His power and His presence 
into our lives. And looking at Galatians 5, we see this. First, synchronization with the Spirit empowers me to prioritize Jesus. And this is really good news for us because A, prioritizing Jesus is right, but B, prioritizing Jesus is hard. And I, and I think I think living a life of faith and, and Christianity in general in, in a place like Abbotsford, it's similar to the housing market. It's way easier to rent than it is to own. Like it's way easier for me to, to, to rent a little time uh, consuming Christian content than it is for me to really own my decisions, my habits, my worship, and actually have a real relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I understand why. Like, I've got pressures. I've got friendships. Uh, friends who don't necessarily, you know, orient me towards the reality of Jesus or walk in the way of Jesus. I've got real desires, some of which are not healthy, some of which are not helpful to help me honor God. But, but Christians hold this guiding principle for life that, that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, everything in our lives is to be for the glory of God. And, and it's like, you know, we're treating God as, as of ultimate importance. It's why Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. So that in, that in every room, it's like the most important person in every room is Jesus. And when something else becomes more important than God, the Bible refers to this as the sin of idolatry. We're placing our affection, our attention, our worship on something that is actually less than God. And that, that's actually not a good thing. So when we look at being people synchronized with the Spirit, one of the things that Galatians 5 points out is that when we start doing things that are the opposite of our broken human nature, what the Bible refers to as the flesh here in this passage. So look again at Galatians 5. The works of the flesh are evident, and there's this whole list of things, and one of which is idolatry. It's right in there. And this should be a concern for us because in, in any context, idolatry always leads to emptiness and or destruction. So for example, in, in your marriage, uh, if, if your spouse becomes an idol, if they become more important to you than God, if you're placing all your hopes and dreams on them exclusively, you're going to start to look to them to complete you. And they will not. Your wife can't give you what you can only get from Jesus. Your husband can't give you what you can only get from Jesus. And, you know, we, we always hear, you know, struggles in marriage because people aren't on the same page. But the thing is, if you're on the, the biggest possible page in terms of, look, I'm prioritizing the most important being in this universe. I'm prioritizing Jesus. Th that already sets you up as in a hugely advantageous way for all the other things in life. So walk by the Spirit, and one of the things you will see is the help and the power to fight idolatry and prioritize God. A, a possible next step for, for you today might be to synchronize with the Spirit by actually scheduling times of prayer. Alone, absolutely, but, but ideally also with your spouse, because the, the effect of having regular and meaningful prayer with your spouse has a bonding effect that reinforces your oneness. It's an expression of your commitment to a shared vision. And if you've got a shared vision in marriage, that sets you up for a ton of success with the help of the Spirit to, to continually orient yourself that way. And recently, Janelle and I realized, you know, this, this is, wasn't an area of strength for us. We, you know, we were good at praying alone. It was kind of hard to initiate prayer together. So we just decided, you know, we're just going to schedule it. 
It, t- it takes all the pressure off of one person to initiate it. We're going to schedule it. And, and, and you know, every week we start our week this way. And it's, it's allowed us to place all of our planning and all of our problems onto God. And I think it's probably been my, my most favorite thing we've done recently as a couple. So our marriages, you know, as, as we do prioritize Jesus, we, we actually start to point other people to Jesus, which is the whole point of marriage in the first place. It's a picture of God's love for us. So let's, let's do that. And, and as we synchronize it with the Spirit, we will be empowered to prioritize Jesus. And the second thing is that synchronization with the Spirit empowers me to share in what my spouse is really feeling. So look again at Galatians chapter 5. Uh, verse uh, 19 and 20 again, the works of the flesh are evident. And look at kind of this list of of words, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. The, The work of the Spirit produces something different in our lives than these things. And maybe, maybe this is different for you, but when I start to see d- division or jealousy or, or anger like this in my life, what, what I know for sure is true of me is that th- this happens because I'm living way too fast or way too fake. So think, think about the, the pace of life that you live. Think about all the settings that, that maybe you're not being your authentic self and, and you're, you're putting on a show, you're pretending. I mean, how many... How many places do we, do we see, you know, the, the works of the flesh manifest because of poor communication? How many times have we been disappointed or, or angry with our spouse because they didn't meet expectations that, that we had of them? They let us down because we, we assumed they were going to do something that they didn't do. How often do we see rivalries and, and division begin to take shape in marriages because one or, or both spouses is, is starting to, to gossip about the other with, with other people? right? So, so a possible next step for you might be to schedule slow motion. And we, and we talked about this earlier in our series, but, but essentially the idea was from the Bible, we see this pattern over and over. If ultimate health comes from being with God, we actually need to slow down and make time to be with him. So to pray, to, to absorb what he says in scripture, to, to rest, to get his perspective on ourselves and on our spouse. Slowing down to receive perspective from God synchronizes us with the Spirit. And then look what the Spirit produces in our lives as we do sync with Him. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And from this place, like I am way better positioned to, when I, for, for when I slow down with my spouse. So I slow down with God and I'm now more capable and available for when I'm slowed down with my spouse to actually have meaningful communication. And uh, I can listen, I can share because I'm coming at it from a fresh place of being reminded that my ultimate security, my ultimate significance is not found in me being perfect in my marriage, but it's found in the work of Jesus that, that the Holy Spirit is making real in my life. And so in, in, in my marriage, something that Janelle and I have found helpful is, is to actually schedule uh, a weekly date where we talk about what's actually real, <laughs> like what we actually are feeling, how we are actually doing. So we know uh, the scope of all the hours in the week, there's going to be two hours every week where we just lay it all out. And the best times that happens, the most productive times, is when we've both come from a place of slow down, been with God, synchronized with the Spirit, so that... Man, now I can be loving. I can be patient in this conversation. I can be gentle. I can be kind. 
all of these things, I'm set up for success and when I synchronize with the Spirit. A third thing, synchronization with the Spirit empowers me to selflessly serve my spouse, which for me is really good news because I don't often default to meeting the needs of my wife. I default to meeting the needs of myself. And look again at Galatians 5. Earlier in this section, we're told, we're called to freedom, brothers and sisters. We're called to freedom, you guys. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the work of the Spirit makes Jesus' saving work real in our hearts. And this gives us God, like a powerful God-sized love for others. And we need the, the fullness of the Spirit if we're going to serve one another as we should, as this text is pointing out for us. In, in the Bible, new behavior always comes from a new heart. And so when, when God gives us a new heart by the Spirit, one of the first things he produces, look, like look again at this list, is what? Is love. Because the Spirit is actually our primary power source to keep this command to love. Now think about this in the, in the context of, of your marriage. Your, your spouse cannot bank on a once a year social media shout out to know that you thought about them. Your spouse cannot bank on a, a gift once a year on their birthday to know that you appreciate them. Your, your spouse cannot bank on, on sex once a week to know that, that you're close, right? Sometimes, sometimes we, we actually need some help to know how to love our spouse well. And, and by the way, loving your spouse is not loving them the way that you want to be loved, right? Like, so, so say, say you are, are somebody who, who really loves uh, gifts, but, but, you know, your, your spouse is off, you know, you know, mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, uh, you know, folding the laundry, whatever it is. And, and they're thinking they're, they're loving you that way. But when you were like, man, what I really needed was just like a, a surprise love note to tell me and remind me of the intimacy that we share. Right. And, and so this is like, you know, maybe why we need to learn, learn about the five love languages, learn about, you know, your spouse's personality type, you know, figure out your Enneagram number, whatever. But maybe the most direct route is just to ask, just to ask, hey, you know, what can I do for you? What would make this evening great for you? What would make this weekend, this vacation, what would make this life-giving for you? And then to actually stop and be okay with when the answer is something a bit different than you would answer. I like how Philippians 2 puts it. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So the neat thing is that the Spirit himself can work in us both to do this and also to want to do this. Because in the same passage, verse 13, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And that is so refreshing because so often we don't want to do this. We don't feel like it. And so it's like, Lord, I'm going to synchronize with you to both will and to do this in my life. And one of the best expressions of selfless love is connected with our last category today. Fourth, synchronization with the Spirit empowers me to have next level sex with my spouse. And look, I'm deliberately using the word next level here because this puts us into a totally other realm of possibility and experience. 
we leave this till the, to the end of this message because if we do these first three categories, if the Spirit empowers us in these first three categories to prioritize Jesus, to have good communication, to, to be selfless and serve, we are set up for a ton of success in the bedroom. The best sex is found in the context of a healthy relationship. And, and this is so hard for us oftentimes because for many of us, our expectations of sex are shaped by a screen rather than being shaped with our spouse. So you come into a marriage believing that your partner's sex drive will be identical to yours. You come into marriage thinking that every time you have sex, it will be spontaneous. It will be better than the previous time. You come into marriage believing that all of this is going to automatically happen the very first time that you get naked. And the hard thing about this is that this, none of these things are a guarantee and they're, they're, they're expectations that are shaped outside of reality oftentimes. And what this can lead to is disappointment at best and sin at worst. Because look at Galatians 5 again. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and why, why we need to be so encouraged by the Spirit's power and presence in our lives is that, is that through Him, by keeping in step with Him, by walking in the Spirit, by synchronizing with that power, we are able to protect, to enjoy, and to redeem the bedroom. Protect because in life, it's, it's, it's going to happen. You are going to start thinking sexually about people that are not your spouse. Enjoy because when the Spirit is producing the fruit of the Spirit, think, think of all of what is in that list. That, that sets you up for the best possible sexual encounter. Because look, if the Spirit is actually at work, actually producing these things in your life, it's going to make you the best possible version of yourself. And when two people synchronize with the Spirit at, the be at their best are coming into the bedroom, well, of course, that would be the best possible context to have sex. And then third, to redeem the bedroom. Because look, for, for, for many of us, we're bringing in the shame and the pain and the regret of past experiences and mistakes into that part of our relationship. And this can be so difficult to navigate, which is why I'm glad actually that the Spirit's work isn't just about changing our behavior or our activity, but it's also about shaping and transforming our identity, which can redeem the bedroom. Look again, even what we've seen in, in verse 25 of Galatians 5. If we live by the Spirit, look, that's that first part, that's a statement about our identity. That's a statement that means that, that Jesus has forgiven our sins. He's made us a new person. God's love has been poured into our hearts. We are the children of God. If all of that has taken place and transformed all of our past hurts and, and, and shortcomings, if that's our identity, that's our starting point, and then also paired with that is our activity. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So protecting the bedroom, enjoying the bedroom, redeeming the bedroom, these things aren't easy, but they are possible as we do keep in step with the Holy Spirit who is in us and with us. So enjoy sex. Enjoy it as an expression of love. Have sex often because there's something that goes beyond the physical. Think 1 Corinthians 7. Don't deprive one another. The, the first place that sex was experienced. Check out Genesis 2 sometime. You'll see this, this beautiful design that God had for sex. There, there's exclusivity. There's vulnerability. 
There's security. There's intimacy. We, we need to see sex as this gift of God that is beautiful and powerful. Which makes sense because its designer is beautiful and powerful. A possible next step here for, for, for couples, it might be for you to talk about the bedroom when you're not in the bedroom. So this takes us back to the, the previous category. If we're empowered by the Spirit to share in what, what our spouse is actually feeling, opening up those, those lines of communication, slowing down, prioritizing Jesus, and, sell, and coming in with a selfless posture to actually talk about what you know you're already thinking. Have those conversations about the quality of your sex life, which could also be paired with the quantity uh, in your sex life, right? actually talk about what you're actually thinking about. And, and this has led some couples actually uh, to, to do something that I think is really intriguing, to actually schedule sex. So week to week, it's on, it's on their calendar, right? I mean, on a public calendar, it's on their calendar, so, so that neither of them are playing this guessing game about wh where's my partner's sex drive at? Wh when is that next spontaneous, magical moment going to happen? No, there's this expectation that's created through clear communication, which doesn't lead to disappointment and is then beautifully expressed in a way that both people have agreed to actually talk about this, talk about the bedroom when you're not in the bedroom. And, and look, again, what, what, we've, what we've already seen is that we, if we are positioned in the spirit to prioritize Jesus, to share in what our spouse is actually feeling and to selflessly serve, we are so set up for, for next level experience of sexuality in our marriages. And look, uh, all of this in, in, in conclusion, like we, we have seen in this series before that, that ultimate flourishing comes from the presence of God himself. So be it for these four things we've talked about today or, or for anything in life, we need to realize that Jesus has not left us on our own. That we have the gift of the spirit, and which is why I wanna leave us with these words from John chapter 14. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So look, I, I hope today has, in, has encouraged you and put fresh wind into the sails of your life, into the sails of your marriage, knowing that, look, these things aren't easy, but we are thoroughly linked to the best possible resource for what is hard in life.